0: What's up, everybody? This is Rafael up, Garcia is Rafael from Garcia. the MMA Ratings Podcast. Podcast. Why do I hear that echo? Um. Okay, so again, you know, we're back today. Is June 15th? Shwan, do you sure you are you sure you don't have the link open somewhere? Are you sure
1: you don't have the link open somewhere? It, it doesn't show, I don't, All I have, all I have is. Only thing I'm showing is I'm um, in the chat. I hear an echo.
0: Huh, okay, so anyway, sorry about, that. sorry about that. Let's just go ahead and get this show rolling. Um, so, yeah first, and foremost, um, yeah, first and foremost, you know what we got to talk about, right? You know what we
1: got to talk about, right? Um, Something kind of happened this week. There's a lot of things to talk about. Oh, yeah, you're talking about that thing. I'm talking about
0: that thing. You know, the thing you know, that, that know, I basically refused know, to talk about talk until... There was a signed vote agreement.
1: Are you talking and about Conor versus Tony Ferguson for the lightweight title?
0: I wish. I wish. <laughs> I really wish that that's what I was talking about. So, unfortunately, we are talking... Well, I don't know if it's unfortunately, but we are definitely talking about um, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather.
1: So, yeah. yeah they finally that. made that happen. Yeah.
0: That, Looks small, like it.
1: That, <laughs> that minor like fight.
0: It. Looks like it. And now we are facing – do me a favor, Swan. Do me a favor. Close do out me your like, link Swan. and rejoin, please. Rejoin,
1: please. Yeah, no problem. Do that for me. Just give me just a second.
0: You yeah. there? there So yeah, let's uh Schwan gets his system together and rejoins us. So yeah, we're just gonna go ahead and start talking about some of the news that broke this past week. I mean, we have to start first and foremost with the beast that is in the room, which is the August 26th bout that has been signed between one Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Now there's so many different aspects to this that we can talk about so many different layers, so many different levels to this. But here we are. Here we are and we have a fight between one of the greatest fight boxers in the last fifty years and a man that many consider the pound for pound best in the sport in Conor McGregor, so I'm going to let Schwan talk about it from a technical aspect. That's his thing. He can do that. Alright, I'm back. Okay, so I still hear that echo, but I'm not sure why I hear it on your end. So we're just going to keep going, and I'm just going to try to ignore it. But, um, what we're going to talk about first is we're going to talk about this fight from a from a uh, aspect first and then we're going to turn around and we're going to turn around and cover it from a technical aspect. So, of course, you know, on one side we have the situation where this is a huge moment for, I want to say both sports, because one, you have McGregor who's proving that you can fight the UFC. He's proving that if you can gain enough notoriety, and stand your ground, you can fight the organization. And that's exactly what he's did, and he's done so successfully. And then on the other hand, you have Mayweather, who's just about to make another, fi- another fight where he makes a shit ton of money. Let's talk about this from a business aspect first before we jump into the technical aspect of it, all right?
1: Yeah. Schwann, you there? Yeah, you got me? Business first. Can you hear me now?
0: Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. All right. Yeah, sorry All about right, that. Yeah, sorry about that. So, talk to me about it from a um from a from a business aspect, man. What do you think it's going to do
1: for the sport? The sport. Uh, for the sport, I, I don't really know what it does for either sport, except make money. Like, it doesn't legitimize it. I don't know. It, it's not something you can really build on, as far as that kind of matchup. But as far as like the initial, the money that that's pretty much what it that's what it does. It like d- gives a get a huge jump start to boxing in general, and it gives a jump start to the UFC and WME because of how much money they're going to make on it. That that's pretty much the biggest benefit from this. I, I don't know that I mean, Greg will become a bigger star, and if he continues to fight, he should draw. He should make bigger ratings and and bringing more money for the company but outside of that i don't i don't see that it has any real long-term value as far as benefiting either sport
0: so there's a couple things on both sides that you said that i want to kind of um touch on first and foremost you know I can't wait to see what the payouts are for this fight, because Dana had the audacity to say, you know, there's going to be a 50-50 split that kind deserves as much as Floyd because he's the bigger star. But when you look at how this fight is being promoted initially, it's, you don't see anything about the UFC on it. The UFC isn't playing the undercard. This isn't a mixed event between MMA and boxing. This is... Floyd Mayweather running the show, which is what, you know, you would expect. So I can't wait to see what the financial breakdowns are because I guarantee you that Mayweather did um, did his Mayweather thing and is going to make a ton of money hand over fist. Floyd, uh, Connor, and the UFC will as well, but it's going to be nothing compared to what uh, Floyd makes overall.
1: The thing about it is Floyd Floyd's the A-side and Floyd's the guy... Even though everybody thinks Conor McGregor is, big, is a big star now, this has just been the last two years or so where he's really become huge, but he still hasn't become as big as Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd's an independent contractor. Right? He's really independent. He doesn't have a boss. He might work with other companies in partnerships, but he makes his own deals. He dictates ticket prices. He dictates Hotel prices, he dictates just a lot of the other the other stuff that goes into it. He's he's more like a, an individual promoter himself. He's not like just a fighter who gets paid to fight. Floyd has a lot of control over a lot of things. The pay per view pricing, whether they're going to do it in theaters or not, what, when he's going to what and what date they're going to fight. He can, he essentially controls everything. There is no way there was going to be a fifty 50%, percent a fifty fifty split on this. I, the UFC has no leverage and. Conor McGregor has no leverage. I mean, this is the biggest fight you can make for Conor McGregor. And it's not even close. Floyd's Whatever Floyd makes in this fight, he's made comparable money to it, fighting Pacquiao, fighting Canelo. Um, McGregor's never even sniffed this kind of money before. And the UFC, if they would have they, they, they been closer to making this kind of money, there's no way they would have made this deal, but they've never made this kind of money either. This is, like, outside of their their realm of expertise as far as Advertising, commercials, and the financial payback that the, the financial fight's going to generate—they they, they don't—they're not used to dealing with these kind of numbers, or dealing with these kind of salaries, or having this kind of control. It, they—they're basically outclassed and outmatched in every single aspect. It's basically the way they treat fighters. The way the UFC treats fighters is how Floyd Mayweather is treating them.
0: That is a good way of looking at it. There, and when you talk about how the UFC treats fighters. I wonder how what the other fighters are thinking watching this fold unfold. Um, you know, with Demetrius Johnson right now, see watching the situation, licking his chops? Is uh, Max Holloway watching just kind of biding his time? Um, is everyone thinking, you know, now if we're willing to draw the line in the sand and push back against the UFC, what can we really get?
1: Well, I understand that's a good point, but the thing about it is, they have to be strategic about it and and Max Holloway he's been kinda trying to get his star turn going he's been talking more he's been out in public more doing a couple movies he's trying to get his Q rating up but the thing about Conor McGregor is this isn't something he just started in the past six months year and a half this has been something he's had going before he got into the UFC as soon as he got into the UFC and he slowly kept building it he saw that he had somewhat of a an edge somewhat of an appeal and he built on that immediately he went into character he played up the Mystic Mac predicting fights he, he he took full advantage of that. He didn't wait for the UFC to get behind him and tell him what to say and direct him and, and pick out who he's going to fight. He came out saying he wanted everybody in the division. He's going to take everybody in the division out. He's going to clean out the division. He wanted Jose Aldo. He wanted to cash checks and fight in stadiums. He came out saying that. The UFC didn't put him in a position. All they gave him was a platform, and he performed on it and performed on it well. Too many of these fighters wait gives them the direction or puts them in a big fight, and then they want the UFC to push them. Getting pushed and becoming a star isn't something you start when you sign a contract or when a big fight comes up. It's something you start from the point you get into the UFC. You start building your brand. You start getting your catchphrase out there. You start hitting all the interviews and hitting all the podcasts and hitting all the MMA fightings and whatever else there is. That's what what you do, and that's what Conor did from day one. He embraced it, and he took control of it. Other guys sit back and, I just want to fight. I just want to fight. I don't care about that. I don't care about this. I just want to fight. And then they get into a big fight, and they and they, or they win a title, and they're like, "Well, the UFC's not pushing me. What have you done to push yourself?" It, it's similar to what uh, Floyd Mayweather did. Floyd wasn't always a huge star. He used to be the he used to be the Olympian, the gold bronze medalist, the good kid, good clean cut kid. Or that's the image they pushed Once he realized that, that wasn't working, he switched up his image and he took full control of his image, um how that how he was going to be shot by 24-7, how they were going to present him, how he was going to present himself. And then he took the platform HBO gave him and he built on it. He wasn't a huge star. He turned himself into a huge star by uh, take, attacking every sort of aspect of, in, of fighting. Not just the fighting aspect, but the training, but the advertising, but the marketing, but the self-promotion. He did all that himself. Conor kind of followed suit. And all these other fighters, they're behind the curve on it. They've been fighting for six, seven years, and all of a sudden now they're going to start talking? You know, they don't have fan bases. They don't have good contacts with interviews. They haven't gotten their name out there. It's going to take time to build that kind of leverage. They don't have the leverage to work with. They're seeing what Connor did, but what Connor did came over years and years and was planned and well thought out and well executed. Some of these guys, you're not going to be able to turn that trick in in six months to a year. That That's just not going to happen, in my opinion.
0: It was a transition from when you went from Pretty Boy Floyd to Money, m- Money Mayweather. That's when that occurred. Right before the Oscar fight and what was that? Two thousand and eight? Whatever year that was. Um that's when that transition occurred. When he went from pretty boy to money and when people started hating him when his um when his background started becoming more prevalent, when people started realizing that he wasn't—he wasn't a nice person, you know—and I—and I, I get it, Floyd isn't someone that is a model citizen in any sense of the word. But he is a hell of an athlete, and he has kind of put himself in a position to get what he has earned at this point in his career.
1: Yeah, it's—it's it's a work ethic. Like, may, like he got a big fight. And when he got on the big stage, instead of doing the typical stuff, instead of, I'm going to beat him, I can't wait to get to the fight, I'm not here to talk, I'll let my fists do the talking, all that nonsense, he, played, he created a character. And he went, played, over when it, if, you, if you watch the 24-7 he had against Oscar De La Hoya, and you watch it as it progresses each year where he fought Cotto and he fought Victor Ortiz and so on and so on, you notice a transition in the character and the way he approaches it. When he fought Oscar De La Hoya, he was over the top. I'm going to whoop his ass. I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to teach him a lesson. I can't wait to fuck him up. He had 50 Cent walking around there. He said, you know, Oscar's afraid of confrontation. I want confrontation. He's dancing. He's playing up to the crowd. He's talking extra trash. As he's gone further and further along, he's kind of streamlined that and Taylor made it into more where he's the veteran. I'm the big star. I've been there before. I know what it takes. Hard work, dedication. These guys aren't ready for me. 45 try, 45 fail. He started getting a little bit more specific and define that identity but when he first came out there with Oscar De La Hoya he went over the top he played it up huge to draw everybody in and then as he drew more people in he slowly started refining that identity and refining that technique and figuring out what key points to hit on to get sales to get attention and there's no, there's nothing he won't hit on there's nothing he won't address there's no sort of drama or interview he will avoid or or situation he won't create to get more people against him or more people for him that's what Conor McGregor did too many boxers, and this is, goes with boxers too, too many boxers aren't willing to put in the work, just like too many fighters aren't willing to put in the work. Not only do you have to be a great fighter and not lose and beat people, you have to be able to be a great character. Not everybody's capable of being a superstar character, but every, like I said last week, everybody's capable of maximizing the character they are, and too many guys don't want to do the work. They want the company to do the work, and then they, when they get a big fight, and they're like, well, why is he getting paid this much? What has so-and-so been doing the whole time? How has so-and-so been marketing himself? Floyd did everything, not everything right, but he did everything it took to draw attention attention to himself. And that's what separated him. That's why he's the A-side. That's why he's the one running all this. He didn't just put on a show. Behind the scenes, he was getting more control, he was taking, he's taking his own career in his own hands and dictating things. He wasn't letting the promotion do it. All these guys let the promotion run everything, and then they try to come in later and say, well, I'm not being pushed right. I'm not being motivated. I'm not being promoted right. Nobody's setting up these interviews. Like I said with Amanda Nunes, why aren't you setting up your own interviews? I'm taking advantage of the opportunities presented to you now that you have this platform. You should be building on it. Instead, all they keep doing is waiting and saying, well, the UFC didn't promote me. They keep pushing her. They won't push me. Push yourself. Say something. Do something. But then they're like, "Well, I'm a martial artist. I don't do that." Fine, then don't complain. So you, you take what you get.
0: So I want to kind of, you know, like, there's there's a lot that we can talk about when when it comes to this situation here, and I want to make it I want to make it well known that this is a moment where there are moments where you can kind of witness history unfolding, especially when it comes to sports. You know, I think of moments like when A Rod was. Um, signed to the Yankees when Joe Montana got traded, when Jordan won all of his rings, especially the sixth one. Watching LeBron James now, we are at a moment in sports where we can see um, history unfolding. And this is a moment. This is a moment here. Whether McGregor wins or not, this is definitely a moment that deserves that type of recognition, especially from the MMA fans, um, what I am not looking forward to is hearing individuals such as Stephen A. Smith or um, other talking heads, Skip Bayless, all those idiots talking about, um, I'm not going to call them idiots, I'll take that back, but all those divisive characters talking about um, MMA. That is not what I am looking forward to. It's going to happen. It's funny because as soon as this fight got announced, not even 10 minutes later, I was walking into a bar and I see Stephen A. Smith giving his first take. And I'm just like, this is not what I want to see right now. So, yeah, we definitely have that situation where that's going to occur. This is still a major moment in sports history.
1: it's, it's It's not a sporting event. It's just an event. That's all it is. Nobody's actually... Thinking the fight is going to really be competitive, it's, it's the buildup, It's the fact that it's happening. It's the uniqueness of the situation. When's the last time you've ever had an active, top-in MMA fighter actually not going outside of his sport to compete with the guy who was essentially the best pound-for-pound guy in the past, what, 10, 20 years in a boxing match? He's going outside of his, his environment to challenge himself to take on the guy who's been the best for the past 10, 15, 20 years. That that's an event. It, I don't know how. Nobody knows how competitive it will be, but the attention it's drawing, it, the, that, that how huge it is. Like you said, it's historic. So now everybody's gonna have their think pieces. People who don't even cover boxing or MMA are gonna have their think pieces, breaking it down. They're gonna bring on all these mixed martial arts experts. Hey, you might even get a call to be on some shows. Hopefully, I get a call. And <laughs> They're gonna Should want I, your I, opinion. I, they're gonna I, want I, you. I already, already, to your name, um,
0: already threw my name out there to one outlet earlier today, and yeah. so. so.
1: You you got to get on it. If you're you if you're on. an MMA media member or or a podcaster, this is the chance where you can expand your fan base because they want people who know the sport, who really understand McGregor, who really understand, who even understand boxing to a degree, to get out there and share your opinion. So this is the this is the perfect time for you to expand your fan base because there's going to be a lot of questions. Don't turn any of them down on Twitter, your podcast, anywhere somebody contacts you. You need to take that question, no matter how ridiculous it is. You need to take it. And expand that fan base while you have this platform do what Mayweather and Conor McGregor did
0: so um then you said you know that no one is looking at this fight from a competitive standard and that's not necessarily true I was just reading something earlier today where originally the fight odds opened up close to what um, the numbers where, numbers where McGregor where fought Maidana in the and rematch. And I think Maidana was, like was like an 800, like um, 800 underdog, and, and McGregor opened, opened, at, that opened at that same range. It's already it's gone down to down, him being a, 350, a 50, 350. 350 already, and so you see people are going to be jumping on this bandwagon. Whether it's intelligent or not, that's a whole nother conversation. But this is going to be hyped up as a major sports a major moment, which sports I definitely think it will be. And, uh, will and, be, and, and I'm and kind and of looking forward, forward, to forward to the coverage to see coverage. the way guys kind of like fold. Now, I'm going to be interested in the way people cover the, um, the, uh, the uh, UFC. UFC. Mainstream outlets. how they decide to cover the, the, the UFC country at, country at this point. But this is a hell of a situation here. That's going to be that's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting. And and I mean for the boxing, it's a chance. That's why I said for that initial burst, it could really help boxing. It could really help mixed martial arts if everybody plays their cards right. But as you know, combat sports athletes and combat sports media don't always play their cards right. This is a chance to really, you know, get across different medias, different media platforms. And express your knowledge, and maybe get some people invested. I don't know that it'll it'll bolster all either sport hugely, but for the people involved in the sport and the fighters, this is a chance for you to expand your fan base, to kind of get your face out there, and let people let people know about things. I mean, think about Max Holloway; he could be doing interviews saying, "I fought Conor McGregor. I know what his power feels like." You know, there's there's just a lot of guys who could get things going for themselves if they handle it appropriately, and that goes for the media as well. But um. It's just a historic event and, and while on a technical basis I don't know how competitive it is, truly competitive it is, there's so many people who aren't knowledgeable in boxing or mixed martial arts that the chances to have these breakdowns and the assessments and to have it rehashed and rehashed is going to be just, it's going to be limitless. I mean from this point until the day and after the fight, oh my god, it'll be even, it'll be even worse. So this is just a good chance for knowledgeable people to to share their knowledge and maybe expand their fan base. So let's look at it
0: from a breakdown point of view. I was having this conversation yesterday where I said, okay, boxing doesn't have belt levels. But if it did, Floyd Mayweather would be a black belt. We can agree on that. And I was saying if you took McGregor out of MMA and you put him in grappling with Gary Tunit, high-level black belt, no one would, in their right mind would, would pick Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor to win that grappling match. If you took him out of that and put him in a wrestling against Jordan Burroughs, no one in their right mind would pick Conor McGregor to win a wrestling match against Jordan Burroughs. So why are we taking him out of MMA, putting him into boxing with one of the best boxers of all time, and pitching this like he had—pitching this like— he has a huge opportunity to win
1: here well there's two things first of all there's some people who don't know who gary tunin or jordan Bur- jordan burrows is so just based off a of name value they would actually pick conor mcgregor because they know him they don't know the other two they, that's actually what happened people go with who they know second of all the thing with striking that doesn't exist in grappling or wrestling is in striking you it's like you don't really have a chance but you you always have a chance in striking you could be a better technician have better footwork better defense better counters better timing better body control more experience if you slip for a second or The guy just can take your shot and keep on pressuring you and doesn't get tired And you even used you, you slow down for just half a step you could get clipped you could get knocked down You could get out worked now Logically speaking, that shouldn't happen. Floyd Mayweather, just based off experience alone, if he had the worst day of his life, should be able to deal with all the physical attributes that McGregor has as far as his youth, his power, his athleticism, his length. But there's been times we've seen in boxing matches where a less skilled but tough and gritty fighter has either pushed a a technical fighter to his limit or has beaten a technical fighter. Look at Maidana versus Mayweather. Maidana's nobody's boxer. He's not technical. He's not slick. He doesn't have quick counters and a super super sharp jab and a a straight right that's on a hair trigger and footwork that's real crisp. He's essentially an educated brawler. And he took it to Mayweather for like four or five rounds and made it really competitive early. With a bunch some people of, thought he won that fight. Yeah, yeah, with a bunch of wood, wood brawling by getting his hands on Floyd, throwing him into the ropes, throwing a bunch of cuffing shots that weren't even landing clean, hitting him on the kidneys, hitting him on the shoulders, hitting him in the back of the head, and just mauling him. So people are thinking Conor McGregor is more athletic than this guy. Conor McGregor is longer than this guy. Conor McGregor has got some skill to him. So if Maidana could do that, what what could McGregor do? He's better than Maidana in every every physical aspect. That's how they're going to look at it. You know and and from the thing about it is mcgregor's got his skill set in boxing is so shallow i'm not going to say he can't box mcgregor can box he's got legitimate boxing skill but he doesn't have national level boxing skill as far as amateurs and he damn sure doesn't have world-class boxing skills as far as professionals but he can box i'm not going to say he can't box at all it's just the level of the boxing is the question So then people start reaching for, well, look at McGregor. McGregor's 28. mayweather has been out for a couple years. He's getting older. He he hasn't done this. McGregor's been active. They start reaching for what, if if McGregor was an actual legitimate boxer, things you you could actually reach reach to to make your argument. The thing about it is McGregor's just so limited in his experience and his skill set that it's going to be really hard for him to consistently get work done against Floyd Mayweather because the things he's bringing to the table, Floyd's already seen. But he's seen from world-class boxers, not a guy who's 0-0 zero and zero in professional boxing and might have held a couple minor amateur titles when he was like 20 years ago. That, that's, really, that's really the difference.
0: Yeah, and you know, as I look at this, the only thing I'm really concerned about is, yes, Floyd's age. And as you get older as a fighter, speed is one of the first things that goes... Power is one of the last things to go, so we'll see how that speed looks and what his defense looks like when April 26th gets here. Um, I am praying that Mayweather comes out on top, just because he's—I uh, couldn't imagine the world living in the world if Mayweather lost that fight and seeing Dana White's response. I couldn't imagine the world that we would be forced to live in.
1: Yeah, just imagine how it would be for Mayweather. Oscar De La Hoya couldn't beat you. Miguel Cotto couldn't beat you. Saul Canelo couldn't beat you. But Conor McGregor and O&O o, MMA fighter came to your environment and your ring and beat you and dominated you. Like, there'd just be no way to live that down. His whole legacy would all of a sudden get turned, into, turned upside down. I wouldn't say it'd be turned into a joke, but it'd be hard for him to live that down. Because Mayweather likes to talk a lot. Mayweather likes to brag a lot. And if he went to MMA and got choked out or something like that, it'd be a bad look. But for Connor to go to his environment, under his rules, where he's the boss, and if Connor takes it to him, that's that's doing irre- irreputable damage to Mayweather. Irreputable damage to him and damage to every single top guy he beat. Because they're going to sit there and say, this guy, who never really boxed at this level and never had all these amateur boxing fights, came in and did what you couldn't do? Like, why couldn't you have done that? And it won't matter about age. It won't matter about decline. It won't matter about old. There's not going to be any excuse. Mayweather has to win this fight, and he has to win it handily. Anything less is going to make him look, it, it just, it's just going to be spun as boxing's a sham. He's not who he said he was, and he was ducking all these young guys for a reason. It's just, it's just really going to pile up on him. He can't afford to lose this fight. McGregor can afford to lose it. He could lose it by knockout. He could lose it by just getting out boxed. But Mayweather can't afford to to get out-boxed. He can't afford to get out-worked. He can't afford to get... He damn sure can't afford to get knocked out. This would just be a huge hit to every aspect of his life, financially, as far as his image. Everything he sells himself on is based off him being undefeated and him having that swag and him having that presence in boxing. A loss to to McGregor just... It puts a dent in that, that you can't ever get out, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you know, and I I think that... Uh, if this is um, this is his last fight, you know, I will. He's trying to retire at fifty and 0. Okay, I can get with that. But I really hope that this is it for him, um, because I don't want to see, I don't want, I don't want to see this guy. Yeah, I don't think he. I'm pretty sure he doesn't need it financially. But I think, I think that there's additional opportunities that he can look at as a sportsman in the future. I've always been, man, for years I've been writing about the idea that Mayweather needs to get involved with MMA in some some fashion. He can easily be a promoter of mixed martial arts and, and kind of build that brand. Maybe that's something that we're headed towards.
1: Well, if but, um, you think about it this way: he'll he'll get the biggest. He's giving the world's biggest MMA star. Their biggest payday. Floyd's generating that. The UFC ain't doing it. The UFC might have been in other negati- negotiations, but if Conor becomes a huge star after this, Mayweather made that happen by, 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 by taking this fight. Mayweather's going to get him paid. You know, I don't care mm-hmm. what the UFC, oh, we paid him this much. UFC, I don't care if the UFC paid his salary. The UFC wasn't paying him that salary to fight MMA. Who got him the money he wanted? Who's getting him the, the platform he wants? Who's getting him the fans he wants? Floyd Mayweather. So Floyd definitely. might look and say, look what I did for Connor. I can do that for you. All you got to do is sign with me. I'll take care of everything. I already worked with the UFC. They already they already know how I do business. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that I opportunity is
0: definitely there. Um, it's going to be a hell of a ride. These next few weeks, Next few, um, you know, we're not far away from the fight. We're a little more than two months away. So these next few weeks are going to be hell um, to follow. They're going to be, I can't wait to see actually – actual mma um journalists journalists cover cover the sport sport and cover um the situation situation. but man this is going to be a shit show and i'm along for the ride
1: yeah it but it's going to be a very it's going to be a very financially rewarding one though that's (laughs) the thing about it like i said before and and i mean this sincerely if anybody wants to talk to you about it i don't care if it's twitter i don't care if it's somebody with a media outlet who wants to get your ear about it I think you should take full advantage of that, and I say that to everybody who podcasts, all our fellow writers out there. If you have the opportunity to talk about it, I understand it's not pure. I understand and you feel like you know what's going to happen. I understand you think it's an unfair matchup. Do what the best promoters and the biggest stars do. Humor these people. Talk to them with respect and dignity and handle the subject with the respect and dignity you would handle legitimate boxing or legitimate mixed martial arts. Art suck. Build your brand. Expand your reach. Show people you know, what you, you know what you're talking about and show me your personality. This is an opportunity for a lot of people to build on them themselves. Don't let Floyd and Connor be the only people who benefit from this. Because everybody can benefit if they play their cards right. It's just a matter of you're going to be an uppity boxing fan or an uppity boxing media or MMA media. Well, I'm not covering this. This is just trash. All right. Miss your opportunity.
0: I mean, yeah. so You're getting I mean, yeah. a platform. I said I wasn't covering it until we had a, had a signed contract. We got a signed contract. I'll talk about it all day now.
1: Exactly. That's all, so, that's all I'm saying. Be professional. You know this. You've been in this business long enough. You wrote long enough. You know that something like this, I like me and you could write beautiful articles. It might get a couple thousand clicks here and there. You write something even related to Floyd Mayweather, no matter how much people have re- read that day, Floyd and Connor, it'll get double, triple, quadruple that. We know that. You know that. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's why so not take does. that
1: advantage to build your numbers to build your fan base, to build yourself. Connor's gonna use it to build himself. I guarantee you Dana White's gonna find some way to build himself. The UFC will find a way to build themselves. And all these fighters and media people who are, cover- who are, who are conne- connected to this fight, if you're smart, you will find a way to build yourself too. You better get on ESPN when they call and say, what's it like to get hit by Connor?" Or, hey, Siwon, you- you've been covering MMA for a while. What do you think? Well, thank you, Bob. Let me tell you. I, <laughs> yeah, I will have that. I will have that conversation 15 times a day. If they want me on 15, 15. If they want me on 16, 16. I will have it till I can't have it anymore. And I will have it a million times after the fight, too.
0: I'm totally about taking
1: the advantage of opportunities presented to you. Learn from Floyd. Learn from Connor. Take advantage of the fight. So we when do have you. actually some fights this week to talk about
0: um, where we have UFC fight night 111 that's going down this weekend. So um, I just put up a piece about. The main event where we have best correct Cor- 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 and um what's her name holly home fighting yeah, in the, the main event. event i just put together a piece and it's up, it'll probably be up on the site tomorrow about how holly home is fighting for her legacy and i think man i think she's fighting she's fighting for her legacy as a boxer and as a mixed martial artist because right now people are doubting her in every sense of the game she's losing she's on a three fight losing streak She's been struggling. She has not looked good at any point. And it's funny because you've kind of called it every step of the way. So here we are now. We're looking at home fighting a woman who isn't the greatest. Uh, isn't I don't want to say she's not the toughest challenge, but she hasn't had the greatest experience in the UFC. Talk to me about what this fight means for home and her legacy long-term.
1: Well, the first thing I have to get off is, the UFC, as they usually do, misrepresented Holm and they gave false advertising. Yes, Holmes was Hall of Fame. Yes, she's a world champion boxer. But what they failed to understand is Holm isn't some kind of Floyd Mayweather-like technical boxer. She wasn't a Mike Tyson type destroyer. She was none of those things. She was essentially a girl who got by on her athleticism, her length, and her activity, and throwing pressure and throwing a lot of shots. She's not a technical boxer. Even in mixed martial arts, There are fighters who have better hands than her. Raquel Pennington has better hands than Holly Holm, and she's better in the pocket than Holly Holm. Betch Kohea actually has a better shot selection, and has better IQ in picking which shots to throw. Holly Holm, her biggest and most devastating weapon, if you look at her first few fights and her fights in the UFC, are kicks. The world-class Hall of Fame boxer's most efficient and devastating weapon are kicks. Just think about that for a second. Hall of Fame boxer, best weapon they have in the cage is kicks. That doesn't even make sense. And in Holly Holm, she wasn't even trained by a legitimate boxer. She was trained by Mike Winkeljohn. He's not a boxing coach. He's a traditional martial artist who got into kickboxing. And Holly, is Holly. I, I love Holly because she's got a heart for fighting, she's got a passion for fighting. She she doesn't run from challenges. When she lost, she jumped right back in there. She went right back in. She wasn't running, she wasn't scared, she wasn't trying to protect the record. She didn't wait for the money fight. She went, went right after Miesha. I love that about her. Her person I love mm-hmm. her as a competitor does not mean I love her as a fighter because I do not. She's not as good as they advertise, not in striking. She, she has no real grappling game, and she has no wrestling game. She's like a, an above-average striker with a high level of athleticism, great gas tank, and a heart for fighting. That's essentially what Holly Holm is. If you have any sort of discipline and skill about you, that's what she is. Now, if you run in like a bull in a china shop, she looks amazing. She looks fantastic. She, she looks super technical. But if you make her fight and you show some discipline and some self-control, Holly Holm looks, looks better than average. But in her division, the, the bar is set so low with striking, she looks amazing. But when she faced a world-class striker, what happened to her? Yeah,
0: I mean, I can agree with you on that. She struggles when she fights someone who's patient, when she fights another counter-striker. She definitely struggles with that, and another we've seen that, you know, in her last three fights um, are standing proof.
1: And, and I don't uh, want to no, on her, but real quick, real quick, Rafael, if you look at her matchups before the UFC and into the UFC, she's been getting favorable matchups. Rocco Pennington mm-hmm. has more skill, but Rocco Pennington isn't one-half the athlete as um, Holly. She doesn't have the quick feet. Marion Renault is a comparable athlete, but she's not aggressive enough. She's not aggressive and she, she likes the all round kickboxing skill to really push or test Holly. Ronda Rousey was kind of a bad matchup, but Ronda Rousey was getting into her striking, which essentially makes her an, an easy, favorable matchup for Holly Holm. Once they, they stopped giving her favorable matchups, stylistic matchups, athletic matchups, she started losing. She hasn't won a fight since they started they, putting her up against people who have the skills. And the talent level to compete with her. How do you see this fight with uh, Betch going down? Uh, Bech going down. Well, I, I personally said, if, if Betch is in shape, if Betch fights smart, I think Betch wins. Betch is aggressive, but she's an aggressive counter puncher. She comes at you and cuts off the cage to get you to throw something at her. And when you throw a jab, you throw a kick. What she does is she counters and she swarms. She might throw an uppercut, throw the hook. She might throw a hook to the head, go to the body, go to the body, go to the head. She swarms you with shots off the counter and tries to chop you down. And essentially she just she basically just tries to break your rhythm and then she slowly starts countering you and picking you apart with volume. She likes to put you against the cage, wear you out a little bit, get your timing off, kind of take some of that explosiveness away. and then when y'all get in exchanges, she likes to counter working, transitioning into clinches or takedowns, take you down and kinda of score points and rough you up. The hard part for Betch is that Holly is such a better athlete than her. Betch's feet aren't very fast. Her punches, while hard in general aren't really knockout shots and her reaction time isn't super great either. The only thing about it is, if she can let Holly lead she should be able to beat Holly but she's such, she's such a lower class of athlete, even in that case Holly's going to have huge advantages in foot speed, hand speed, volume, and mobility that it's going to make it very hard for her to compete even if everything goes the exact way she wants it. But in actual skills, it's not close. Betch has better submission defense, she's got better takedowns, she's better on the ground, and in my opinion, she's got the better shot selection. The only area she's weaker in is athleticism and those kicks. Outside of that, I'd say it's almost 50-50 everywhere. I'm thinking Betch can win. I just don't know if she can overcome that athleticism because that gives you a large margin for error. Betch does not have a large margin for error. Holly starts catching her clean with kicks. That's it. Holly can power out of things. She can outspeed things. She can explode out of things. Betch doesn't have that, have that, have that in her back pocket. She gets put in a bad spot. She's got to work her way through every step to get into a better one. She gets rocked early. She's got to work her way back into the fight and then take it over. Holly can turn it around at any moment because she's got the athleticism and the explosiveness to do so. But I really think it's going to be a matter of Betch trying to get Holly to counter and trying to get her to lead and then countering her with a flurry of shots. On Holly's part, I think Holly's going to try to counter the counter with volume and just try to outwork Betch and wear her down over five rounds and pull, pull away from her late. That's what I think Holly's, Holly's best bet is to do. Throw something out, let Betch counter, and then hit her with five, six, seven, eight shots. Because Betch, even though she's good fighting off the back foot, she's got slow feet. And if you pressure her, her footwork breaks down. And Holly's all about throwing pressure and volume and volume and volume and volume and volume. And if she does that, she should be able to outwork Beth to a decision.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh,
1: definitely. Um, um, I th- but but it's, it's, she's not I, I better s- than her just off of skills.
0: I see. I feel like Beth is way too aggressive. Where, like she's so aggressive that it kind of will kinda play, play into home's strengths, strength, as you kind of pointed out. It out. But yes, like she has shown that she's a great boxer with great technique. But man, she's just she's that bull that 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 you mentioned a second ago. She drives forward and she usually uses that pressure to overwhelm her her opponents. You know, which has happened so many times in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's really what it comes down to. It's it's really weird because as, as much as everybody talks about Holly's overall skill, which really, in my opinion, gonna determine the fight, it's the is the athleticism i know that's not romantic for combat sports fans just like it's not romantic for football and basketball and baseball fans but athleticism matters if i'm 10 times the athlete you are even if you're 10 times the basketball player when i'm so much faster than you and i can recover from mistakes and i can keep going and never get tired it's just a matter of whether i run out of time before i overwhelm you not whether i'm going to overwhelm you it's just can i do it within a time frame and when you have a huge athletic advantage that changes everything up sloppy technique be still effective based off athleticism, poor defense becomes manageable defense because you're so much quicker, your reaction time is so much better. So I really think that athleticism is going to be the determining factor. I, don't, I haven't seen anything from home as far as her wrestling, her grappling, or even really her striking that says that she's just this outstanding person who's going to blow through some people. Who is, who, is, who is Holly really, really blown through? She didn't even really blow through Ronda Rousey, and Ronda was running full speed into Power Shot. She didn't even really blow through Ronda. Who was she blown through? me? no, uh, Shevchenko no, Pennington no. Renault? I mean, she did blow through Ronda. Uh, she. I mean, she beat Ronda's face was a bloody pulp. She she beat her in the, the first round. She really beat her up, but it wasn't like the first time. Like Connor blew through Aldo, Connor blew through Eddie Alvarez. Ronda landed some shots on Holly. Ho, Holly wasn't just walking through her. Ronda was just fighting dumb, giving her every opportunity to counter. If Ronda would have just stopped for a second and made Holly leave. That's a whole different fight. Eddie Alvarez had nothing for Connor. Ronda had something for Holly. She just was too dumb to make the adjustment and her corner wasn't smart enough to make an adjustment either. All they had to say was let her lead. That's the first I'd argue that. Let her lead. I I I I'd argue that
0: cuz um I I'd argue that cuz I feel like Ronda got picked well, apart from from When
1: I see, when I see a fighter who's hesit when I see a world-class striker who's hesitant to come in on Misha Tate cuz Misha Tate is landing counter hooks on you, you're afraid of catching Misha Tate's counters? I have to question your, your your defense. I have to question your offense. And just for the fans, the fans who love that technical aspect, I'll break it down for you. Holly's stance, the way she stands and the distance she works at, it forces her to be off balance and it makes her shots predictable. You can tell when her shots are coming in. It makes it throws off her punching mechanics. It throws off her range. It throws off her footwork. So not only can you see, you can predict what's coming because she throws the same setups and the same combinations every time she comes in, because of the way she she stands, she has to cross a huge amount of distance to get on you. So that gives you an extra second, second and a half to figure out what you want and to react in the counter. For you, she makes it easy for you. The minute you stop leading, Holly Holm has problems. Anytime someone does not give her wide open openings, she has not been able to take them. I've not seen one fight where she's clearly just been wiping the floor with somebody, outpointing them, yes. Chipping them up a little bit, yes, but just handling people, knocking people around left and right, being untouchable, I've never seen that Holly Holm. I haven't seen her. Maybe somebody else has seen her, and when she was fighting in the Legacy Fighting Championships, I've never seen that Holly Holm in the UFC. Marion Renault touched her. Pennington put her on her ass. Even Misha Tate was landing counter shots on her. Rendami landed a lot of counter shots on her, and she's not even that good at counter puncher. And Shevchenko took her down and beat her up on the feet. So uh, this this untouchable, super slick Holly Holm, I've never seen her. Everybody keeps telling me about her. I have never seen her. Never seen her in a boxing ring. Never seen her in a cage.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Let's see. So are you picking home to win this fight?
1: You there? Yeah, I'm here. Are you picking home to win this fight? Uh, I'm going to go out on the limb. I've been saying this since day one just like I predicted Artem would be Cub, I was wrong, but the fight was better, better than I expected, I'm going to go with Betch. I mean, if Betch, if she fights smart, if she lets Holly lead, and she's in top shape, and she follows a game plan, and I have an idea what her game plan is going to be, don't ask me how, I have an idea. If she can execute, she should win this. this. This is not an easy walkover. For people who know about fighting, this is not an easy walkover fight for home. People just hate Betch Kohea, so they ignore the improvements she's made since she lost to Ron. They ignore everything. She's actually a ba- She's actually uh, not a really great matchup for Holly, outside of her pressure countering. But I'm going to go with Betch. I'm, I'm putting it down. I'm saying Betch can beat her. I don't know if its can beat her by decision or finish. If she's a better grappler, I'd say by finish. But I think she can beat her by decision.
0: Okay. All right. So there's another fight okay, so there's on this card that I'm actually kind of compelled to talk about. We have um, actually two others. others. Dong Young Kim and Kobe Covington. Dong Young Kim is like the quintessential gatekeeper. He's the guy who's there, who if you can beat him, you can fight your way through tighter shots. If you can't, I mean, you just got to hang back and wait. And at the same time, he's never been one to break through. Even when he changed his style and became much more aggressive and much more of a attack, 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 attack fight. Um, fight athlete. Break down this fight here for me. Do you think this is, this is a big win waiting for Cummington or is Kim just still just doing his thing, waiting waiting around in the welterweight division?
1: Um, I really think he's been clearly stated that he's a, he's a journeyman. I mean, especially with his age, I don't know that his athleticism is where it should be right now, especially I mean, he's facing a younger guy and a guy who's a very dynamic athlete. A guy who's very physical and a guy who works at a very high pace and while Kim has seasoning and he has that veteran savvy, in my opinion, he doesn't have the layers of defense as far as his striking or his or his grappling and wrestling where he can limit the opportunities Covington has to get to him because that's what a lot of it is when when you're a seasoned guy, it's not that you're you're just so much better technically it's little things you know how to do to make that rookie or that younger guy work a little bit harder to get to the posi- positions he wants. They're used to dominating positions, they're used to wide open shots and wide open takedowns. What the veteran does is they, make, they close that window a little bit so you have to work a little bit harder to get in position you gotta work a little bit harder to land that shot. That same left hook, your money shot that you land clean every time on everybody else it's a glancing shot off a veteran or hits him in the shoulder. That takedown you get to get you right in position in the guard where you're ready to pass when you take down when you take down a veteran it's not a clean takedown he can scramble back up he can transition to a submission it's those little finer points that determine the pace of the fight and allow them to control the pace with control it with feints control it with holding control it with the threat based off of their stance i think kim is never seen to be that savvy he, he's got some of the veteran tricks but he's never he's never As much of a veteran as he is, his defense, his counters, and his ability to control pace should be better. And it seems like in a lot of fights, he's having to work just as hard as a guy who doesn't have half of his experience or half of his tenure. And you shouldn't be doing that as you get further along in your career. You should find out ways to work smarter, not necessarily harder. Even if you're still working harder than other guys, you should be, your, your refinement should be there. And I don't really see that in him, especially defensively. And I think he can hurt Covington but I know Covington can hurt him, and I think Covington can work at a higher pace, and I think Covington can recover quicker, quicker between rounds. So it's, it's really hard for me to say that Kim is going to beat his journeyman label, because even if he wins, they're just going to throw another young guy at him to see what they have in that young guy. It's clear they don't think of him as a star anymore. So it's a matter, he's going to have to win three, four, five, six fights like this before he's even considered in title talks. And I don't know that he can beat three, four, five guys, I don't even know that he can beat Covington the way he fights with his defensive lapses and, and how, how tired he gets when he has to be in a fight with somebody who's going to try to force the pace. He has no way to slow the fight down. I haven't seen him slow fights down against I don't know how or why he's going to all of a sudden do it now. I guess he could catch him, catch him and knock him out, but even that's, that's like a 50-50 proposition. Co- Covington's just as capable of wiping the floor with him and knocking him out too. So I think it would be Covington based off physicality, his pace, and his offensive nature. I I don't think Kim's got the defensive awareness or the strategical awareness to slow the fight to make it a matter of experience, timing, and savvy. So how do you see
0: that fight going down? Who do you think will take the victory?
1: I'm thinking Covington. I think Covington should be able to stop him. I wouldn't be surprised if Covington gets caught because he he tends to get a little wide open and he leans on his ability to force the pace which is never a good idea in my mind, but he leans on that a little bit too much. But uh, Kim's defense is just so a little bit too suspect to me. His ability to recover is a little bit too suspect to me, and I think that Covington is just going to basically get in his face and outwork him. Could, could, could push the face and stop him, but he's definitely going to outwork him to, to a win.
0: Good, good, good. So talk to me about the Tarek Sefani-Jothiel Dos Anjos fight. You know, we got the former lightweight champion making his return and making his return at 170. 170. Um, then he's fighting against another former champion in Terek Zafany. A lot of people are picking Dos Anjos to get this win, which I think is very compelling there because um, he's trying to kind of rebuild himself after falling apart uh, last minute there against Eddie Alvarez. Break down this fight for me and tell me how you see this going down.
1: I'm actually kind of concerned with RDA because a lot of his success at, at 55 was based off his physicality his durability, his physical strength, and his power. I don't know how well that translates moving up to welterweight. I don't know that he's a big welterweight. He might be an average size or a small welterweight going against guys who are used to, you know, I mean, used to guys with bigger power, used to guys who who are more phys- who are just as physical, if not more physical, who've got as much power, if not more power. He's got as much physical strength if not more physical strength and an extra 10 or 15 pounds behind it it, it all comes down to how well I, I don't i personally don't think his style at 55 translates very well to to welterweight a lot of those guys in my opinion are but he's not even, he wasn't one of the best athletes at 55 he wasn't one of the faster quicker guys and he's still not going to be one of the faster quicker guys at uh welterweight either he's just not that kind of athlete he's going to have to apply pressure and break guys down because i haven't seen from him defensive awareness like as far as upper body movement and head movement and i haven't seen the kind of defensive awareness that says he can stay on the outside, work his angles with his feet, come in, exit off angles, faint, fake with shots, come up under and punish the body and get clinches and and do a high level and a high volume of work there. I haven't seen that from him. The only fight style i've seen from him is him applying pressure Breaking guys down, coming in behind, jabs, and countering actively. I don't know that that works in this weight class. Because based off what I, what I know of the welterweights, everybody at welterweights should be able to handle his power. He wasn't just destroying, he wasn't just destroying lightweights. Which makes me think that he's definitely not just walking through welterweights. Safadine's kind of a trickier fighter too. He's got a lot of, he's very good with kicks. It's going to be hard for Desanios to close the distance and get into the range he likes to work at. As far as that boxing and clinch range, that's going to be really hard. Safadine's footwork is actually pretty good. He's got decent length. He's got very good timing And, and he's just a much, much better athlete. And even though he's not the physically most durable guy, he's tough enough. Nobody just hits him once and wipes the floor with him. He's taking shots from bigger guys and more accurate strikers. And guys who are more athletic than RDA. I actually think RDA might get upset in this one. And I, I don't know that it'd be an upset. For our, for him to win this, I'd have to see him do something that I haven't seen him do extensively in a fight. Show skills and show a diversity of shots and a diversity of in offense and defense that I've never seen him do before. He's always been the bully. He's always dictated pace. And the one time he couldn't be the bully and couldn't dictate pace, he got, he got mopped up by Tony Ferguson. He couldn't bully him. He couldn't outwork him. He couldn't control him. And he just got he got handled. And I don't know that he can control and bully safadine for the full duration of a fight. I, I, don't know, I don't know how he reacts when he starts taking that power. I don't know how he reacts when he starts taking quick, hard shots like that. So I'm actually going to go with Safadine. I think if RDA could really press him up against the cage and land huge counter shots, he could stop him. But Safadine's not going to be easy to get on because he's got that footwork, he's got that movement, and his kicking range, he's so busy with kicks. It's going to be very hard to get into the position that RDA needs to get into to be effective.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be um, interesting. I hope Safadine brings back those nasty leg kicks that he used to dispatch Nate Marquardt years ago, and I hope you just see it over and over again. Leg kicks are a thing that I enjoy. I guess it's because something that I can't do it myself, but uh, Safedine's been an expert of that, and I hope that we get to see it um, Come back, come back for this fight this, this weekend
1: it'd be crazy if he didn't you got a guy who walks heavy on his front foot and likes to walk people down and throw a lot of volume and counter aggressively his his legs should be his the inside and outside leg kick should be there all day long and, <laughs> all and then, day you're honest, day. the body kick too mm-hmm. i agree with you on that
0: um, is there anything else from this event that stands out i'm looking forward to seeing alice caceres get back in there as well because he's someone I enjoy watching and someone is. I like you know watch his growth I thought he was going to have a breakthrough moment against Uriah Faber a couple of years back so is there anything else that kind of stands out, stands out to you from I'm, Caceres, I'm,
1: I'm like you I'm a Caceres fan just because he's he, he the uniqueness of his style and the creativity he has in it I'm a big fan of that and it's, it's amazing how just a couple of years ago he was like on a three or four or five win streak and he was actually really competitive with Uriah and since then it's been win one lose one and it's it's kind of amazing how quickly it turns in in this sport from a guy who is moving up into contendership to a guy who's just essentially trying to hang on to his position as a UFC fighter. In my opinion, um, that that's pretty much the the other fight that I was really really interested in seeing because I'm actually a, a fairly big Casares fan. Every fight he's in is entertaining, and I like the way he uses his um his skill set in the fight. It's kind of unique among a bunch of guys who are kind of cookie cutter in how they fight. I was really hoping that maybe he would fight, they'd match him up with Artem Lobov. I, I actually did a bunch of series of tweets on why I thought that'd be a good fight. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll take any fight I can get Alex in. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of what he does and how he does it.
0: Yeah, man, he's riding a two-fight losing streak after winning two and then losing three and winning two. So, yeah, he does go back and forth. But I hope he um finds a way to get the win and remains relevant within the UFC as a whole uh what are some of the other things you're working on for the show this week uh
1: i actually i i i kind of did it my own thing on on the betch and holly home fight i did it i did kind of a breakdown on it but instead of doing my typical kind of breakdown i kind of did a the guide to betch and holly home for dummies and i kind of had 10 10 talking points talking about how the fight came about and kind of hitting on some of the historical things that each fighter has done and how that'll impact the fight. And I just basically break it down into 10 talking points that people can kind of 10 things for people to look, people to know or to look for in the fight as far as, you know, if your friends want to know more about it or you just want to know about the matchup in a briefer sense. Instead of getting into the really finer technical points, I kind of touch on them, but I don't really drag through the analysis. I kind of just make it kind of short and sweet for people who aren't really interested in the kind of meteor. Analysis that I usually get into.
0: Good, good, good. Um, I have a piece about Dong Kim that's up from this week. A piece about Best Shot was just posted today, and I have my other work that's um, across the internet covering the Panthers, grappling, and MMA and other avenues. So definitely, always be sure you know you can catch my main work here on MMA Ratings dot net. Catch us on the podcast every Thursday. Where one and I are here to talk shit. You know we'll be. We've got a, we're going to have a lot to talk about over these next few weeks. It's going to be a big, busy summer, and, um, and, man, it's going to be crazy. Man, and crazy. Be hey, before sure.
1: we go, I, I, actually, had a, I had actually wanted to address something that a fan asked me about on uh, Twitter. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, last week, I talked about the Derrick Lewis-Mark Hunt fight, and just so people understand, when Derrick Lewis was going to fight Travis Brown, I picked Derrick Lewis to, to lose that fight. Because I think a lot of what Lewis does is based on his athleticism and his size. I think he's a great character. I think physically, he's a great fighter. But if he would have been in any other division, he wouldn't have gotten the results he's gotten. It's only because he's at heavyweight. So when he lost to Mark Hunt, it did not shock me. I didn't think that all of a sudden he was a phony or he was exposed. Because as far as I was concerned, every fight he had, I've been exposing that dude for the past three or four fights. His last three or four fights were coin tosses. He could have lost any of them, to Roy Nelson, to the Russian guy he fought. He was down in the fourth round. He was losing, and when he fought Travis Brown, Travis Brown was essentially three three front kicks from winning that fight. Lewis is a great character, and a great character is always going to get a lot of run and always get a lot of attention. People will get behind it. People will like to buy into it, but you have to understand, just because you're getting results, you're winning fights, you're knocking guys out, that doesn't necessarily mean you're getting better. That doesn't necessarily mean you're the best if you really want to be a true fan like a hardcore fan or you really even if you're casual and you want to understand you have to watch the fights and you have to not just look at the results because the results are the results but they don't tell the whole story of the fight and they don't tell the whole story of the fighter and if you really paid attention to derrick lewis throughout his career in the ufc then you knew that what happened saturday night was was really no shock it wasn't a shock to you you knew that his limitations as far as a striker you knew he had nothing to really offer as a grappler or a wrestler so you ha- if you were shocked by what happened when Hunt fought Lewis, you're not giving the sport or the fighters the respect and attention they need because that, that result should not have surprised you. And it didn't surprise me, and it wasn't gonna surprise me. This is not The things I say on the show aren't just when a fight comes up. I'm pretty consistent in my opinions about fighters, right or wrong, I say pretty consistent in it. And with Derek Lewis, he's a great character with great physical ability, but he was never a great mixed martial arts fighter. And because of his charisma and his size, they gave him a lot of run. He fought a whole lot, but he, he wasn't really improving. And I want more fans to pay attention to what's happening in the fights and not just the results. If you really want to understand what's happening, whether you're just a fan or you're a gambler, you want to make the right picks, you got to understand what's happening in the fight, not just the results.
0: What do you think about that back entry, Joe? How much do you think that, that played a part in it?
1: Uh it could have played a part in it, but I don't think he should have I should I do not think he should have said that right after the fight. That was really a bad look for him, to be honest. It just was. And uh but he could've done it. It could have been a I've I've heard that it was a existing injury. To be quite honest, I'm surprised if it wasn't existing injury, I'm surprised his back didn't go out earlier because from what I understand in the past what couple years um derrick lewis has probably fought more than almost every other fighter not named donald cerrone i think he's had yeah, uh, I, he has the, i think he does have the most
0: the, uh the streak for most activity in the last two right two years
1: yeah he and for and that's a heavyweight heavyweights aren't i mean think about how how many fights kane velasquez has had in, in the past couple years and how much derrick lewis has had so fighting at that kind of rate and going multiple going three rounds and five rounds and, and fighting legitimately Guys who can force a certain amount of effort on you, that's going to take a toll on you as a heavyweight. I never thought he was completely sold on the MMA thing. I think it's something he's good at. I think it's something that was fun to and he showed some talent for. I, I think he got his money and he's going to go try other things at this point. And I, I think he, he, got, he did what he wanted to do. And now he's gonna, hopefully he's going to take some time off and, and take care of some of the money he made. I heard he made a lot of money to fight Hunt. I heard they really opened back to the Brinks truck to get him to fight Hunt. Because remember, after that Brown fight, he said he didn't want to talk about fights for the next six to nine months. Yeah, And the next thing you know, he's fighting Hunt. So I, I think that's legitimate. I mean, when you're that big, you're going to have injuries quicker, and they're, they're not, they are they're they not don't get better with age. But um, I, I still don't think that overshadows the fact that he had specific holes that allowed him to get to the point where that became a factor. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it would be interesting to see What's next for him? You know, Travis Brown and, and Ghanu have taken to social media to kind of attack him. So.
1: Yeah, we'll I mean, he's, he's, he's a money fight in the heavyweight division. A lot of people were getting behind him. A lot of people in him. He was headlining shows. They were pushing him as a potential star. So I see why those guys are saying that. That's a big fight for them. That's a fight that legitimizes them. Even with the loss, a fight against him and Ghanu because it'd be the biggest test that i face. Him and Travis Brown, after all the trash talk he talked before and after the fight, that fight would draw on ratings. But, you know, yep. it seems like, as of right now, he's, he's retiring, and I, I commend him for it. If he's really done with it and it's tiring, he doesn't want to put his family through it, I appreciate him getting all his money, pushing it to the limit, and getting out ahead of the game instead of waiting until he gets knocked out three or four times where he can barely walk and then deciding, well, I've had enough. I, mm-hmm. I acknowledge that, that awareness and, and that dedication to his family does than change my opinion as yeah, a fighter.
0: It's always good to see a fighter walk away on his own rather than being pushed away or pushed out. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at him and um, more power to him.
1: Yeah. So,
0: yeah, with that, let's go ahead and uh, close out this week's show. You know, We'll be back. Next week, talk all about this week's action, and look forward to Bellator 180 um, 180 in the Madison Square Garden. I'm looking forward to that event. I'm looking forward to to seeing Aaron Pico um, Pico. step into the cage finally, so 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 we'll get to see what this guy, you know, world-class wrestler, gloves, boxer. So let's see what's next for him. Other than that, man, thanks again for joining us. We're gonna go -go ahead and close out, and we'll be back next week.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. Have a great night, everyone. Have a good night.